Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from November the 14th 2023 and story number one comes from Jessica. My dad passed away at the beginning of 2020. He and I didn't always get along and fought quite a lot but I still loved him and was devastated at his death even though we knew it was coming since he had cancer. He died in my parents home and after the funeral home took him My mom wanted all his hospital equipment out of the house immediately, which was understandable. When the equipment company came, I had to move my car so that they could get everything out the front door. In my grieving state, as I was backing my car up into the driveway, I accidentally hit the house. Not anything bad, and it dinged my car more than the house. As I walked back into the house to tell them what had happened, my dad's cell phone rang. The number unknown. I was closest so I picked it up and there was no one on the other end. I've heard that sometimes after a person dies they will call to let the family know that they're okay. So I asked, Daddy is that you? Then I hear on the other end, Jessica, in my dad's voice but he sounded really far away. But it was the voice he used when he was mad after I'd done something bad like hitting his house with my car. It was so in character for my dad to call from the afterlife just to yell at me for hitting the house with my car. During his life, my dad would only buy American brand cars. To buy a foreign car was blasphemous for him. About a year after he died, I had to rent a car and was given a Nissan. It was a great car, and when I got home, I had moved into my parents' house since it was big enough, I said I might buy one. That night, I woke up from a deep sleep and saw my dad standing by my window. I asked, Dad, what's wrong? He just pointed at me and said, No. So I bought a Buick instead because I wasn't going to risk being yelled at by my dad's ghost. Even death won't stop my dad from being my dad. My sister and I had to say goodbye to our dogs months apart. Her dog went first. After my dog's passing, I began having dreams of me and my good boy just chilling in a field and he was talking to me in the voice I gave him and making sure that I was okay and that he was always with me. He comes back occasionally in my dreams just to say hi or because he's bored and he wants to see me. After my sister's dog passed, her dog literally has woken her up in the bed by licking her awake. Her dog loved to knock on my mom's sliding glass when she wanted to be let back in 
and I've heard her knocking so many times after she has passed. The first few times I went to open the door out of habit, and there had been no dog. I like to believe that our dogs are still with us and watching over the family while still having fun. Firstly, Jessica, obviously I'm sorry for your losses. And that is the most dad visitation that I think we we potentially have ever had on the podcast. I love the fact that his his phone call from the beyond was to be like, Jessica, as if you crashed into the house. I've actually done that too, by the way, reversed straight into the house and not even my own house and so not my parents' house, um, my aunt and uncle's house. So you're not alone with that one. You're not the only one to have done that. And I was not grieving at the time. So I, I, I don't even I don't even have a good reason for doing it. And, you know, I've been talking on TikTok a lot about phone calls from the beyond lately. And um, so many people have experienced it. So many people have experienced loved ones, you know, after they've passed away, they get a phone call, they hear their loved one's voice, it sounds really far away. And I don't see what is so unbelievable about it. You know, some people are like, that's ridiculous, that can't happen. Telephones are a mode of communication that are used daily in pretty much all of our lives. And we don't know how the afterlife works. We don't know how people are able to access things or you know infiltrate things and it makes sense that if you use a telephone to communicate daily multiple times a day sometimes why not use it from the afterlife i also love that your dad was so set on buying american cars that that's what he chose to come back over he was like absolutely no chance is any daughter of mine buying a foreign car that's it back to the land of the living And in a way, I think that's really lovely. Like you said, even death won't stop my dad from being my dad. And there's a real sense of beauty in that. There's a real sense of reality in it too, that he's not come back as some shrouded angel, you know, with choir singing behind him to give you love and peace and harmony. He's come back to be like, I can't believe you drove into the house. Equally, don't buy a non-American car. Thank you. And as for the dogs, I mean... We've had so many stories about dogs and cats and even other pets that have come back to let their owners know that they're okay or to keep an eye on them or just to drop in and see their owners. And I think it's really, I think it's really beautiful. And you'd like to think that in relation to you, you know, having dreams about your dog where you're just chilling in a big field, that the afterlife for dogs is just whatever they liked the most and all of whatever they liked the most. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And story number two comes from John. 
I sent in the story about the nanny and promised I had more. So the story I'm sending you this time is about my niece, Louise. When my sister was pregnant with Louise, she moved back home. This was because her husband at the time worked away a lot and they were saving for a house. Plus, she didn't want to be alone with Louise on the way. The house we lived in was a four bed with a drive, a small front garden and a fairly big back garden. My dad put a big pond in the back garden, dug the thing out by himself. He commented one day that the ground was just full of rubble and said that when the houses were built, the builders must have dumped all the rubbish there. My sister went into labour in that house and carried on living with us until Louise was about one. Nothing ever happened in that house. My sister got her own place. And not long after, my mum and dad and I moved too, into the house with the nanny. Skip forward a few years and Louise is starting to put sentences together. One day my sister came to see us with Louise and told us that in the car on the way over, Louise had looked up and said, When I was a big lady, you weren't my mummy. This was put down to one of those things that kids say. Louise then a few weeks later said the same thing again. This was something that happened every now and then, but as she got older, she started saying more and started having an uncanny sense when she was near a church. Even if a building didn't look like it, Louise would see the church and want to go in. The adults at the time would amuse her and go along with it, but lo and behold, on walking through the door, you guessed it, it was a church every single time. A while later, and Louise was now around three, and was chatting to Jean, the lady that lived next door. My mum, Louise's grandma, asked what they were talking about and Jean said, she's just been telling me about her past life. My mum said, oh, has she said about being a big lady? And Jean replied yes and that she was telling me about the church she went to too. Mum frowned and said, all right, where was that then? Jean repeated all the details that Louise had told her, then pointed and said, that one down there, but of course before the road was put in. I remember myself what it looked like when I was a little girl. Well, this was all getting a bit strange, but then there was more. We all went on holiday to Spain. My dad, Louise's granddad, took Louise, who was now about five, out for a walk. Granddad, granddaughter time, off for an adventure. When they came back, Louise had a handful of flowers for grandma. Dad put Louise down and then said, she's strange at times. Don't say things like that about her, my mum said. Dad just looked at mum and said, She picked these flowers for you, chatting away. And then she said, I've always loved these. I used to pick them and put them on my mantle when I was a big lady. We got back to England and let my sister know what Louise had said. From then on, my sister would ask Louise questions every time she mentioned being a big lady. One question Louise was asked was, So when you were a big lady, where did you live? And Louise replied, without hesitation, Bittern Hill. My sister told my dad this and he started looking on the internet. There was no luck. He asked the local historical society if they had heard anything about a Bittern Hill. Nope, no luck there. We had lived in the area as long as I could remember and none of us had heard of it. In the end, my dad had exhausted all avenues he could think of, 
until someone reminded him of the Winchester archives. It housed all the buildings and historical records for that area and surrounding. So he wrote them and after a few weeks we got an answer, but not before Louise's last revelation. She told us one day that when she was a big lady, she was a mummy and she had three children. So my sister asked her what her children grew up to be. Louise looked at her and completely deadpan said, They didn't. We all died when the bomb hit. This was the last thing she ever said about being a big lady and if asked today, now being 29, Louise doesn't remember a lot. So the letter back from the archives about Bittern Hill. Well, if you haven't guessed it already, where my sister lived with us when she was pregnant with Louise, the rubble and rubbish in the garden, that was what was left of Louise's old house in her past life. And the name they had given the house was Bittern Hill. Shut the front door. Louise, you little freaky kid. Of course, if it's an individual house name, then the Historical Society are far less likely to recognise it as a place of historical interest. Do you know what I mean? If it's a street name, if it's an avenue, if it's a laneway, whatever it is, they'll be like, oh yeah, there's some record of that somewhere. But if it's an individual house name, and often individual houses are just named by the owner, so there might not necessarily be a really um, accessible record as to what that house was called by the previous owners. That is absolutely wild. And there's such a flippancy as well to how children talk about this. Because obviously for them, it's it's not weird. It's not strange. They're just having, I suppose, memories or, I don't know, flashes of their past life. And they're going, oh, I'm just going to share this with the people around me. They're not thinking that it's strange. They're not thinking that there's that there's anything unusual about the things that they're saying to the adults around them. And I do think it's really interesting that this is just a woman and her children. A lot of people um, comment on stories like this or stories of reincarnation where they're like, why is it that when people are reincarnated, they're always reincarnated from like really important people? Why are they just not normal people? Actually, there's loads of reincarnation stories where it's just children or adults remembering their lives as a normal person. And when I say normal person, I mean somebody who wasn't nobility or a priestess or royalty. But I really do think that these stories about past lives are just so compelling. And story number three comes from Anya. One of my friends suggested that I share my experience with you. I've always considered myself a sceptic and logically I don't think ghosts exist. I have a science background and ghosts have always seemed really incompatible with that as well as my lack of religious beliefs. In saying that, I don't know how to explain what happened. This event occurred in 2000 or 2001, during my first year of secondary school. I am from a very rural part of Northern Ireland and my school was a half hour bus journey away. One day myself and a friend missed the bus. We were from the same area and had been to primary school together, so I suggested that we get a different bus to a nearby town where my mum worked in a hospital and then she could give us both a lift home when she finished work. This was pre-mobile phone days as well, so we could call his parents from the hospital and let them know he would be late. 
We arrived at the hospital and my mum put us in the staff room to wait for her until she finished her shift. To give some context to the hospital, it was a very small institution with a male and a female ward and only about 20 patients. It was referred to as a hospital but was essentially a palliative care unit where most of the patients were on end-of-life care. It's an old building shaped like a capital H. If you can imagine, the middle bar of the H is the entrance and reception with the wards and kitchen to the right and a rehab area and staff room on the left. The upper floor was all offices with a big boardroom. We were put in the staff room, which was an L-shaped room. We were sat on the sofa facing the only door with a TV in front of us. To our right was the doorway to the staff kitchen, which curved behind us, so we couldn't directly see into it from where we were sitting on the sofa. There was no exit from the kitchen other than the doorway into the area where we were sitting on the sofa. As I mentioned, the only door to the room was in front of us. We had been sat there for a while when the doors opened and a tall, slim doctor walked in. He had a white coat, some papers, glasses, and he greeted us when he walked in. If it helps you to visualise him, he was like a friendly-looking version of the demon headmaster from the 90s TV show. I remember thinking he seemed really weird as he greeted us with, Hello, children. His tone was friendly enough, but it was also the tone you'd use for much younger children. He walked straight across the room and into the staff kitchen. Almost as soon as he had done that, my mum walked into the room and said she'd finished her shift and it was time to go home. We got up to leave and I went towards the door and I could see further into the kitchen and the doctor wasn't there. I think I must have paused as my mum asked what I was doing. I explained that a doctor had come in and he'd gone into the kitchen but that he'd seemingly vanished. My mum was really confused and asked me to describe him. I did and I mentioned his white coat. This really confused her and she explained to me that I must have been mistaken. There were no doctors on staff at the hospital and the only doctors who visited would have been GPs and they wouldn't have been wearing a white coat. I just remember feeling really perplexed about the whole event. The doctor was definitely there and he walked into a room with no exit and then vanished. I had asked my friend a couple of times about this and asked if he remembered it, but he refused to talk about it. When I was a bit older, I asked my mum if she remembered it and she does. She also told me that there were other occurrences in the hospital that had freaked her out a bit. She was the manager of the hospital as well as a nurse and had had to call the police on a number of occasions as footsteps were heard on the upper floor, the offices and the boardroom floor. She had to call the police every time as it was a hospital with vulnerable patients. No one was ever found on the upper floors who would have caused these footsteps. But she said that the staff didn't like going up there. For a place where people essentially went to die, I have really fond memories of the hospital. And it always seemed a really warm and welcoming place. This has been one of the most enduring mysteries in my life as I have literally no explanation for what happened. As I mentioned above... I don't believe in ghosts, but I have struggled to reconcile that belief with what I know happened. As a bonus spook, I loved your Banshee episode, and it reminded me of my granny's stories. She lived to over a hundred, but her husband died when he was in his sixties in 1980. He always used to knock on the window when he'd come home from work as he was walking around the house to come in the front door. After he died, she said she used to hear knocking on the window the way he used to. Do banshees and ghosts like knocking?
Both my granny and granddad died in the house they built together, the house that I now live in, with no knocking as yet. I do think it's really compelling when somebody who is a self-proclaimed skeptic, somebody who says, look, I'm, I'm not a believer. I have no religious beliefs. I'm scientific. The idea of ghosts isn't compatible with my beliefs, but something happened to me and I can't explain it. Oh, it just gives me a thrill. I'd love to know, Anya, how old that hospital was. Like, had it been a hospital for many years or was the building only recently used as a hospital? And I mean, what's what's the logical scientific explanation for this? That somebody dressed as an, as an older school doctor with a white coat was storming through the hospital, you know, as I mean, like walking briskly, not storming around, you know, and walked into the kitchen greeted you guys and then hid so you couldn't see him anymore is is that the logical option and the fact that this happened when you were teenagers there was another witness and it still stays with you to this day to me is demonstrative of the fact that you witnessed something that was illogical that defied logic and you know we've heard countless stories about residual energies etc etc i've done whole episodes on ghost nurses and ghost doctors maybe this maybe this this entity this man is still doing his rounds maybe that was where he got the most joy maybe that is his residual energy doing the rounds greeting you not necessarily not seeing you because you're in the modern day but being able to see you and acknowledge you as though he is actually working and it would make sense with your mom also hearing noises, you know, footsteps walking around upstairs. Like, is he continuing to do his rounds into the night? Was the upstairs at one point wards rather than being boardrooms and offices? And I think if you're going to experience a ghost, a um, bespectacled and not very invasive or terrifying version of the demon headmasters, I mean, we can live with that. That's okay. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Jessica, John and Anya for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from November the 14th, 2023. And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out the website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.